At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Football Morning in America from Peter King, now available at ProFootballTalk.com. We're going to talk about his mock draft, his one and only mock draft. Here's a shocker. Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars at number two. Another shocker, Zach Wilson to the Jets. Wait, that's at number one. Number one, Trevor Lawrence. That would be a shock if he goes number two. Number one to the Jaguars. Number two, Zach Wilson to the Jets. And then he's got, and we talked last hour about this Mac Jones or Trey Lance, who's going third to the 49ers. Peter says Mac Jones. I would tend to agree with him at this point. And, uh, And look, after that, who knows what's going to happen? That's when the draft begins with the Falcons at number four and Peter's got Kyle Pitts uh, going to the Falcons, not Trey Lance, which some think they may do, Chris. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's going to be the, the one I think everyone perks up a little bit here. I mean, the 49ers thing, again, like I said at the top of you know the show today, uh, I would still expect it to be Mac Jones, but the fact that you hear this much conversation out there right now and there's nothing to benefit the 49ers. I, I, I got to think that there's an outside chance for Trey Lance in this conversation. But if I'm Atlanta sitting there at four, Mike, I take pits. I do. I mean, we're in 2021 like we've talked about. Matt Ryan's still got at least two or three good years, at least in them. So I, I just don't think you look for the quarterback of the future right now when you got a guy where you go, damn, you know, he can still play some pretty high-level football for us. I, the one he can hold, he can hold at number eleven for a couple more years, I think. Yeah, I think right. He could. He could keep him there, right? Just on the outside of Chris Sims' top ten, just right around there. I agree. You'd be right there, perfect spot for him. But here's the other here's the other one I think that's that's like interesting in there is that a, that Cincinnati pick, right? I mean, that Cincinnati pick to me is very interesting, and I could certainly, it, you know, a lot of people think it's Penny Sewell, right? They, they Peter's got Jamar Chase. I tend to think it might be Jamar Chase, too. You know, again, it, there's a lot of good offensive linemen in the draft. There's no doubt. They should be able to get one at the top of the second. You know, they could do it the other way around, like we talked about last week, where they could go offensive lineman at five and get a pretty good receiver, you know, at the top of the second. But I don't know if it's going to be a special one, not a special one like Jamar Chase, who's really like, I'd have a hard time thinking he's not a special, he's, he's kind of a can't-miss prospect. So... I, I could see that, Mike. I mean, what's your thought about them going kind of like, you know, just weapons galore there with a Jamar Chase at five? I, I have long believed that the Bengals, who are notoriously small C conservative, yeah. they, they were going to go with Penny Sewell at left tackle. They had the bad experience four years ago with John Ross, the ninth overall pick, the receiver, the fast guy they took out of Washington. Right. And that didn't work out. And last week, we played the clip of Joe Burrow talking to Chris Collinsworth and Richard Sherman about where he comes down on what they should do at number five. And he was very diplomatic. He was very tactful. And Shereen yes. Williams caught on to that and said, you know what, if he really wanted Jamar Chase, it's his college teammate. He's going to get a call from Jamar Chase saying, dude, what the hell? You should be out there pushing for me like Kyler Murray pushed for C.D. Lamb last year. But maybe Joe's playing it cool. Joe's being coy. Joe doesn't want to blow up what he's got working behind the scenes. Maybe he is working on folks to take Jamar Chase, just like Justin Herbert wants to be reunited with Penny Sewell. You know, when you already know the guy, 
makes your life a lot easier. It's not some new personality you have to get acquainted sure. with. Right. You know how receivers can be at yeah. times. They can be a little difficult at times. And it's the guy he's already built the relationship with. We've seen how it works. I guess it wouldn't stun me on the surface, but it would surprise me that the Bengals would do the thing that isn't the safe thing. The safe thing is yeah. Sewell. The riskier thing is Chase. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, uh, but I think there's enough chatter in league circles to think that this is a real debate in Cincinnati right now. You know, I, I, I've been told by some people close to the situation that this is this is a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say a civil war or anything like that, but the, the organization, this is a real conversation going on there at number five right now between Chase and Sewell. So that'll be interesting. It really will be. I mean, you know, you, you're right. You said a lot of good things there. There's no doubt about it. I would think Joe Burrow's not that type of guy. He's just not that type of guy that's going to put anything out there like that. And I think at base level, he's probably going to be happy with either one. Either one's going to help his life out greatly. But, man, that chase, you know, you can almost take a little bit of a – and I know the offensive line's not set up, but when you get Cincinnati and then you throw in Jamar Chase with T. Higgins and Boyd and Joe Mixon – you start to go, whoa, that's kind of a dangerous unit there. You start to think, like, maybe they could go Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs type, you know, explosive offense. That's the interesting angle that jumps out to it about me, uh, to me. Here's what it boils down to. One guy helps you get rid of the ball faster. The other guy lets you hold on to the ball a little bit <laughs> right. longer. Either right. way, Burrow's got bigger issues. He's got to get that knee healthy, and it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Chase is either going to pump up the receiving core or Sewell is going to help Joe Burrow avoid the kind of hits he was taking last year. Look at that and, uh, stats. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are they had a special connection. I, You know, this guy, this is where I just go, you know, again, like, you know, Jamar Chase, I mean, uh, you know, like you're talking about, the, the receiver who, who ran the fast time, they drafted uh, John Ross. Yeah. Jamar, John Ross, yeah, he was scary. There's no doubt. But that was a speed projection type guy. This guy we saw in the SEC against the best teams dominate. As a sophomore, he was the best receiver in college football. Like, he'd be one of those guys where you'd go, uh, we could have broke the rules for him and let him go out. He was ready after two years. That's how talented he is, and I'm sure that's what's given the, the Bengals some, you know, some fits right behind the, 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 the scenes right now. So under this scenario, you've got Justin Fields and Trey Lance slipping past five. They yeah. slip past six. They slip past seven. And Peter has the Panthers taking Justin Fields at eight. We talked last hour about what what are they going to do with Sam Darnold? They got him under contract this year. The option deadline for 2022 is May 3. He has them having both Trey Lance and Justin Fields at their disposal and taking Fields. How big of a surprise would that be if that happened? I would be shocked. I mean, absolutely shocked. I, I really would be. I don't even know what to say there. First off, I just don't think that's the way they want to play. You know, Carolina wants to throw the ball. That's why they signed Teddy Bridgewater, and they got Sam Darnold. And I think they were interested in Mac Jones at number eight. You know, they want a guy that's going to drop back and dissect you and pick you apart. That does not say Justin Fields to me right now at this point of his career. In fact, he's the riskiest one out of all the quarterbacks to be able to do that. By far the riskiest one. So that's where I just, I, that would be shocking to me. I just don't see that happening. I really don't. I, I, I uh, So... Uh, I don't know what to say. I'd like to make a wager with Peter or somebody like that to go like, there's no way, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, but do I you think, think if it's yeah. if it's Lance and Fields on the board and they go quarterback, do you think it's more likely Fields than Lance? No, I think at eight. Would, no, I think I think Lance has passed up Fields in just about everybody's eyes that I know in the NFL. Anybody I've talked to, you know, people who I know who know somebody, whatever it is. I believe Lance is in front of Fields on most teams' draft boards. I do. Because of the issues with Fields. Those, some of those issues we've talked about, are, are, they've scared teams. And I know some teams that certainly go, I just don't know if we can fix or you can fix some of those issues as far as uh, what Justin Fields has throwing the football there. So we'll see. This is where it's going to get interesting part of the draft. But I would think ultimately Carolina's going to be looking to trade down at number eight. That would be what my money's on.
Back at six, yeah. I, I want to just point out one thing. Peter has Jalen Waddle from Alabama Ooh. going to the Dolphins. I think that's that's the pick if it is between Waddle and Devontae Smith. I also think, Chris, if Jamar Chase is on the board at six, yeah. the Dolphins are more inclined to take Waddle, which would open the door for the, the – if the Bengals want to get cute, it would open the door for them to slide down, but we know they don't do that. They just go ahead and take the guy – that that they want, they're not going to play games. Right. They're not going. They're not going to experience that hour or so of holy crap. Are we going to get our guy? Are we going to get our guy? Did we? Did we outsmart ourselves? But it, there is a path to them getting Chase or really Sewell. You know, that's another way to make the decision. Let someone else make it for you. Yeah. Right. Let's trade back right. a few spots and we'll take whoever's left. Yeah. No. You're. You're. They're, they could play that game. Certainly. Uh. But it's a risky game to play. It definitely is. And that hey, that that waddle, that waddle conversation at number six that that's interesting. I mean, that really is. I like Waddle. I don't think he's in the class of Jamar Chase and Devonte Smith. I think he's a notch down. But I do know there's people in the NFL that look at him as being like the top guy there. So that'd be interesting to see with the Miami Dolphins. They have a real need at that position. So either way, I would think they're going some sort of pass catcher there at number six. I would be surprised if if that wasn't the case. Peter does have, as he suggested on Friday on this program, five quarterbacks going in the top nine. That is unbelievable. Trey Lance would land to the Broncos under Peter's formulation. And then you get into the Cowboys. The first defensive player off the board, Patrick Sertain, the Alabama corner. Uh, and that's that's the safer pick. I know J.C. Horn's doing everything he can to try to pump himself up as the better option. But, Chris, as you say all along, you got to have straightaway speed. You got to be able to recover when the receiver runs past you. And you believe Sertain has that in uh, a yeah. better supply than J.C. Horn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still even question that with Sertain, but you know, I, I understand Sertain being the number one corner in the draft. I do. I mean, it's clean. He's got everything you want. He fits what they would want to do in Dallas as far as that coverage, all that. You know, the J.C. Horn thing. Everybody. You know, that's one of those where it's like everybody has Philadelphia taking J.C. Horn to where it's like on my own mock draft, I'm putting them there too because it's one of those things where it's just like it seems like everybody knows something. So I don't I don't know. But, yeah, you know, J.C. Horn, yeah, you know my thoughts on him. There's a lot to like, but that top-end speed is a question for me. And, and to me, I'm not taking a corner in the top 15 who I don't feel like can be on an island with the elite receivers in football. I guess if uh, – if- Everybody thinks that the Eagles are taking uh, J.C. Horn. That says somebody's gotten a look at Jeffrey Lurie's draft board. What about what about you? What about, what is this number nine though? I mean, that's that to me. You know, the uh, number nine with the Trey Lance thing. That's that's I, I, that's going to be interesting. I, I, I mean, poor I Vic Fangio. The, the ongoing quest by the Broncos yeah. to get a quarterback and poor Vic Fangio. Hey, Vic Fangio's pink slip was signed when they hired a new GM. Because as I've said time and again, every GM, when he becomes a GM, he just doesn't show up as a GM. He's been working in the league for years. He's got a list of the coaches that he wants to hire when he becomes a GM, just like Bob Quinn wanted Matt Patricia in Detroit. You've always got the guys you want. And unless coincidentally Vic Fangio's at the top of George Payton's list, Vic Fangio's already on borrowed time. So Payton's not going to draft a guy that's going to help Fangio save his ass. If anything, he's going to draft a guy that he thinks is going to help the team long-term, and also it buys a little time. You get a year with Fangio. You yeah. hire your coach next year. Right. And uh, and th- that's just the way it works. That That's why I'm a firm believer in never having this cockeyed, we kept the coach, we fired the GM, we fired the GM, we kept the coach, we fired the coach. No, fire them both or keep them both. You got to have them on the same page. And walking through the door, George Payton's not going to be on the same page with Vic Fangio. So that doesn't surprise me at all. No. They desperately want a quarterback. Desperately. And wouldn't it be great if Payton could show right out of the gates that he knows how, unlike his predecessor, to pick a quarterback in the draft? He ain't picking Brock Osweiler. He's not picking Paxton Lynch. He's he's going to get now. He better be right. But I, I could see I could see George Payton wanting to do that just to prove right away. The, the problem solved. This is the guy who's been in – in the business for 20 years, not the guy who just showed up and was handed the keys like John Elway was 10 years ago in Denver. Yeah, no, I, I know. This is, to me, another interesting pick, and certainly I'm, I'm very intrigued with what Denver will do there at number nine. You know, I, mean, I mean, listen, again, I, I like Trey Lance and a lot of the top-end talent. It's raw, and you're going to have to play a certain way 
you know, early on. You know, and I do think you'll have to rely on the running a little bit, which I also want to go, man, all those good receivers, and they're going to have to have a, a quarterback a little bit more with a running predicated offense. You know, the way their team's built, you know, the rawness of Drew Locke. Now you're going to have two raw quarterbacks there. You know, I, I mean, the De Broncos are one of those teams that's kind of close. That's where I, I, for me, just looking at them as a 2021 entity just by that itself, I just go, man, defense, top 10-ish in football. Offense, good O-line, receivers galore, like could have a superstar air show with the receivers. You know, and, and they, so I just look at them going, they could be one of those teams that pops on the scene this year. And do you really want to do it with a rookie quarterback? That's where I go, like, the Drew, the Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, Jimmy Garoppolo thing makes a lot of sense for me uh, as far as their, from their standpoint, as far as where they are right now as a football team. Peter made an observation today. I just want to press pause and get your thoughts on this. Yeah. He thinks it's going to be very difficult for other teams in the top 10 to trade out yes and trade down because of everything the 49ers gave up to move from 12 to three do you I have mixed feelings about that because I think each trade is its own thing and you're ultimately trading for the player you're not trading for the slot yeah but uh I I don't know what do you think do you think we're going to see fewer trades because the 49ers blew the curve to move up nine spots I don't think so I don't think that's going to affect anything you know again what we don't know too is like what was being talked about at that pick number three, too? Do, do we know that the 49ers weren't, you know, uh, you know, bargaining with somebody else out there to get the number three spot? So that could have drove that up another pick or so, right? If there was, a, let's say Carolina was interested and they were getting the number three, that could have rose that price. So that's where I don't think you can just say it's apples to apples to move up like that. Here would be my thing, Mike, just my take. You take the quarterbacks out of this conversation, would I want to go because you hear like, Everyone wants to trade down. Everyone wants to trade down. Everyone wants to kick picks back in the next year. The problem is, is who is there to trade up for? That's the big thing this year. You know, after you get past a few guys, I don't know if any of these guys are the type of entities where you just look at to where teams are like, oh, we got to get to 14 to get that guy. You know, as we've talked about, some of the best players in the draft are the COVID opt-outs or the, the guys that have the, the medical concerns, and they're not gonna, people aren't going to trade up in the top 10 or 15 to get those type of guys. So that's where it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out on Thursday night. And the last time we saw a gigantic return in the top 10 was that uh, RG3 trade nine years ago, and I'm looking at the top 10 picks now. There was movement. There was significant movement on draft day right. after, the, after so it's did. it's yeah you're 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 investing for the player the the challenge always is though finding someone who will trade up and i think one of the dynamics this year the reluctance to part ways with 2022 picks because those picks relatively speaking more valuable because as of next year presumably hopefully teams will be able to have private workouts There'll be a scouting combine. There'll be visits. Things will be normal next year, not this this half full glass of scouting. It'll be the full cup, and they'll be able to, to have more information and more confidence when they use their picks, making the 2022 picks more valuable, making teams less likely to want to give them up to move up in a year where it's more of a crapshoot. I think that is as big of a factor as anything. I, I, I agree. I, I do. I mean, I think that that's why it's – I mean – I'm I'm expecting one of the more fun, action-packed, controversial drafts we've seen just between all the things going into this. Like you said, teams looking to trade down because of the, the 2022 pick situation and they're feeling that there's going to be more information, all of that type of stuff. Teams, I think, are going to be a little bit misinformed on a year like this. You might see teams reach for you know certain positions in this draft because you know there's there's not a premium of guys at all positions. Uh, you know, again, I'll bring up the Jalen Phillips, the Miami, I mean, the Jalen Phillips, the Miami Dolphins pass rusher. He's one of those guys you would trade up for. He's a top ten pick. I don't think there's any way he's going to go in the top ten because he's got a, you know the concussion. Same with Caleb Farley. You know where does he go? I go back to that. He's a, he's a top five pick in any other year, but he's got a medical issue. So uh, I mean, between the quarterbacks, the COVID opt outs. Uh, and all these other storylines we've talked about, I, I think Thursday night's going to be a blast to watch.
Yeah, you mentioned Jalen Phillips, the Dolphins taking him at 18 under Peter's mock draft. And then another guy that you really like, Caleb Ooh. Farley, all the way to 17 to your guy, John Gruden, taking a defensive guy with yeah. that pick. But hey, if Farley lasts that long, if he sneaks past the Vikings at 14, the Patriots at 15, uh, then, you know, makes sense for John Gruden to jump on him. That's definitely an area of need. No, no doubt. I mean, I, I would think so. The other guy that I just, you know, with the Raiders and, of course, just knowing them a little bit. Yeah, you know, they could use a corner because they're not great there. But, man, they drafted a first-round corner last year. They drafted a second-round corner the year before that. They drafted a first-round safety in that same year. You know, I mean, how many draft picks are we going to use on corners, right? At some point, some of these guys just got to play and play better. You know, that's where I just don't know if I will get behind that. I mean, it, make, it makes sense. The one I look at with the Raiders at 17 to just go the other option, just while we're talking Raiders, is Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, right? This is Gus Bradley, that Seattle defense. They want fast linebackers like a Darius Leonard or a Fred Warner, right, Mike? To me, that would be a guy where I could see – you know, that being another option for the Raiders. It's going to, I would think it's got to be defense. They need help on defense badly. It's crappy there in, in Oakland or in Las Vegas, excuse me. So uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see Farley, Owusu Koromoa, even, maybe even a top edge pass rusher if they love to go there right now because they don't have that either. Five first round picks in the last two drafts. And, and look, Josh Jacobs has been very good. Um, he didn't necessarily have to be a first-round pick. Henry Ruggs, jury is way, way out. He's yeah. got the potential, but you know, they, they really need to hit. On Jury's out on all year. of them. They the, need to hit. Jury's they need out to hit. on all of them, except for Jacobs, like you said. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, Clellan Farrell. I mean, the jury is out with Clellan Farrell. He wasn't worth the number four pick. We know that. So, yeah, this is a this is a big draft for for the Raiders to help their football team. You mentioned Awusa Koromoa. Peter has the Browns trading mm. up from 26 to 21 to get him. And Andrew Barry, the GM of the team, explained on Friday to reporters they have a lot of flexibility. They, can, you know, Like everybody else, as we've said, trade up, trade <laughs> down, or use their pick. They can do that. Everyone can do that except the Jaguars who can't trade up. But if the Browns trade out around one, I, this is a very real dynamic oh, right. when you're hosting the draft. You can have a lot of pissed off Cleveland people who've been sitting around all yes. night long to see what the Browns are going to do at twenty six. You can't trade out around one. I, I, you're like, you're right. You know, I, I saw that a little bit this weekend with Andrew Barry's quotes and like saying how he wouldn't be a fan favorite if that happened. No, you won't. I could say no. Not only will you be hearing boos or whatever else, then what's going to be worse is they're going to put under the microscope whatever you traded away and who you pick there is going to be even magnified even more because it's like, hey, wait, you screwed up our draft night, and now who did you screw it up for? It better work out. So, uh, but I could in Peter's scenario there again. That makes sense. Just like we were talking about with the Raiders, it's the same defensive scheme the Cleveland Browns are running. It's the Seattle scheme. Joe Woods came from the 49ers who run that. So they have a real need for that kind of guy, that speed linebacker. So from, from Peter's standpoint there, that's certainly logical. I get that all the way. And, you know, when you've got a great team like the Browns now do, and it's still hard to get your mouth to say that. Yeah. The brain sends the message. The Browns ain't mouth. the Browns. The Browns have a great team. The Browns, They're in a position where this is a gravy pick for them. There isn't some, oh my God, you've got to address this. You're absolutely positively. No, they're they're in pretty good shape and they can and that's something that Andrew Berry said. They're, they're, they're in a spot where all the draft picks, they can get guys that are going to develop. You know, this is the way it's supposed to go. You have a good team in place, good strong nucleus, and you develop behind them and then as you make the strategic decisions to let some of those guys leave via free agency or trade them or whatever you've got guys that you can put into those and you just keep that conveyor belt going right right no I I'm, I mean I'm I'm with you you're right so they, they got a hell of a roster and that position you know maybe another defensive tackle the only things you can really look at on their roster to go okay we need some improvement there everything else They've done a phenomenal job. They really have. I mean, Cleveland's sitting pretty, so it would be cool to see what they do. What do you think about the Patriots' 15th overall selection? 166 pounds soaking wet, Devontae Smith. I, I, I just have a hard time thinking Devontae Smith is going to be on the board still at that point. You know, I, I just know from, from my own studies 
and just people I've talked to around the NFL, Mike, people are enamored with Devontae Smith. Now, I mean, I know the weight thing is real. And the, like we talked about it last week, the little of the scary thing is just like if he gets hurt, people are going to be like, I told you so. But that's the only thing. There's nothing to make you believe that. I mean, I, I hear I've had some coaches tell me like, man, Devontae Smith is as good as any receiver I've ever evaluated. So that's where I just don't see him being around at that point. Uh, but that would be ooh, that would be interesting. You add him to that offense now with the two receivers they signed in free agency and that O line and Cam Newton, that could be scary. That could be scary speed coming out of uh, New England. I look at it this way: there's got to be somebody who loves the guy enough before fifteen, yeah. or somebody after fifteen who loves him enough to spring up and get him. I would think he'd be one of those guys. I agree. I agree. Mike, That this could be one of those guys, if he's hanging around at 8 or 9 or 10, that you see a guy that there's that's a truly a, a legitimate trade-up type talent. I think your point right, is real there. People are going to look at it and go, man, the route running, the feet, you know, when the ball's in his hands and the pure speed and playmaking ability of the guy, it, it's, it's off the charts good. So it's, uh, a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that the Chiefs have already traded their first round pick. Oh, imagine. Because I would, my God, could, yes. <laughs> could you, uh, Tyree Kill, Devontae Smith, and Mecole Hardman. Ooh, good man. Lord. Man, that would be fun to watch. There's no doubt. Uh, but that, I'd, I'd be excited to see the Patriots get Devontae Smith. I just have a hard time thinking he'll be there at 15. You know, I'm starting to have all sorts of crazy ideas and thoughts about how the Chiefs could get Devontae Smith, but I'm just going to I'm not I'm not going to entertain that rabbit hole because I'm now fascinated by the the possibility of him and Patrick Mahomes being on the same field together. I'd never considered it until just now. Well, it's not going to happen, so don't worry. We're, they're, 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 they've made their bed. They went with a huge, giant left tackle instead, so that's what they're going with. The, the other thing I don't like about Devontae Smith going to the Patriots at 15, that means the Vikings would pass on him at 14. I don't know how I feel about that either. Uh, yeah, I know. But you not guys, that they need him. Well, not yeah, that they need him. You don't need him, especially the way you guys run your offense. And well, I mean, let's talk about your Vikings for a second. I mean, i, I got to think it's pass rusher or offense alignment, right? One of the two. I mean, I guess if you made me bet money with that offense and, you know, you got Clint Kubiak as the new OC and everything like that, I would think they got to go with the offensive lineman, the best one available there at that point. Yeah, they, uh, the, Peter has Aliha Vera Tucker from USC. Yeah. Flexibility, guard and tackle. Yeah. There needs to be a guy that can do the – the zone blocking. Uh, he can do around, that. That and, makes yeah, sense. So that, that, that's what they need. It's not a sexy pick, but it's an infrastructure pick, and that's what the Vikings need because we know with Kirk Cousins he can run the play that's called, and if the play that's called doesn't work, that's the end of it. So with him. Riley Reef gone, they, they, I'm just he loves being him. realistic. He loves him not. <laughs> the needs are. It, you know, the thing about the draft – the skill position players are the ones who get the people most excited. Yes. But it is the infrastructure guys that lay the foundation for a team to be great. You have got to build from the inside out. But that just isn't interesting. No, it's not. When when draft night rolls around. What's interesting is Devontae Smith and the quarterbacks. And uh, Peter has two running backs. I that's I talked that. last week. You don't think there's going to be any. He's got two going in round one, starting with the Steelers, Najee Harris from Alabama. Hey, I, I, I saw that, and, uh, you know, uh, I had to do my own mock draft, and I'm not going to lie, I thought about the Steelers with Travis Etienne from Clemson as being a possibility, but, yeah, I decided not to. I, I mean, you know, I, I understand that from the Steelers' standpoint and all that, but, man, you know, again, I just, first off, I don't really think any of these running backs are first-round type talents other than ATN, and I think that's borderline. And really with the Steelers, too, I mean, as we've discussed, they got offensive line issues. I got to think they're thinking some sort of offensive lineman there at 24 that could be plug and play this year. So uh, they could wait to the second or third round to get a running back. Uh, but but that's interesting thought. I'd be shocked to see if any of these running backs go. I will. I've been saying that they need a Franco Harris type. They need. Yeah, he would that fit move. that. Najee. Harris was the 13th overall pick in 1972 i'm looking now the steelers have used first round picks on running backs more than a few times over the course of their their existence but it's been a while i think the last one when's the last Le'Veon tim worley second, in 1989 right? yeah. yeah tim tim worley 
No, Rashard Mendenhall, first round oh, pick in 2008, the last Carolina. year they won a Super Bowl. Wow. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's some some kismet there. Maybe you, you you take a running back in the first round now, and it works out the way it did when they took Rashard Mendenhall out of Illinois back in 2008. I remember that now. So look, the Steelers are not afraid to draft for need, and they're yeah. not afraid to trade up to get the guy they want. Right. And I I don't rule them out. If if one of these quarterbacks makes it past 10 and starts to slide. If they really love the guy, and they're not going to tell us ahead of time, I wouldn't rule the Steelers out from making a move to try to go ahead and get their their guy that's going to take the baton from Ben Roethlisberger in 2022. I, I hear saw you. saw what happens when you don't have a franchise quarterback. You go 20 years with a revolving door of mediocrity. I still don't know how they got to a Super Bowl yeah. between the Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger years. I I, I mean, I, I hear you. I think if there's a if like one of those quarterbacks, maybe a Lance or Fields falls, uh, I would think Pittsburgh's got to think about that to a degree. I do. I guess the only thing that would make me think no with that is just like, you know, again, it goes back to a, like a little bit of our Tom Brady conversation to where like, hey, they got Big Ben, you know, and I know, hey, that will be a tough balance. But it's just like, do they want to go all in on Big Ben one more year and get something that's going to help the team right now this second? That's the decision the Steelers will have to make. I think when they made the decision to keep Roethlisberger around, it did skew toward going all in. I'd be very, very surprised if they would – use their first-round pick and or future assets on a quarterback now. Far more likely, I think, they stay where they are and see which running back's there and and try to add to this, this thing they've convinced themselves they can do, which is go back to zero and zero and start winning game after game after game like they did last year and not have it all fall apart down the stretch. They've convinced themselves it'll happen. Whether it does remains to be seen. Let's go ahead and take a break. Peter's going to be with me later today on PFTPM to talk some more about his mock draft. Speed Round is next on this Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of Black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Today's speed round is brought to you by Verizon. Let's get into it, Christopher. One of the issues that emerged late last week, the Tom Brady Instagram rants about the rule change that expands dramatically the universe of available jerseys. I still don't know why he waited until after yeah, seriously. the rule was enacted. I, why, why do you wait? Why do you wait? Make it known before Wednesday. Seriously, do you not? You did you not know? Everybody was talking about it. Come on, man. I, I still I, I don't get it. I I think it's overblown. You're going to study film. You're going to know the numbers of the guys that you're facing. You know that the, the linebacker wears seven. You know that the defensive back wears 33. You know that the outside linebacker wears two. You're going to know all that. I don't buy this idea there's going to be chaos for the offense because you got guys in different jerseys. Well, it's not going to make it chaos, but it's going to make it harder. It definitely is. There's no doubt about that. You know, again, it's a game with split-second decisions, things like that. And now... Yes, there is going to be a little bit of that element. And maybe not, again, Mike, like you said, like, 
Yeah, you're going to know the starters and things like that, but it's going to get into backups and things like that to where now you're going to be like, wait, wait, is the backup Will Linebacker number eight, or is that the free safety who's the backup safety? Wait, I'm not sure. They kind of have the same body size. It's going to be those type of things. That's where it's going to be, you know, a little confusing. In a game, of again, where it's a blur and it's snapshots, you know, you're, you're looking for little context clues. And for, like, a, a pass-protecting running back, you know, his rules usually are secondary blitzers, things like that. So he can look for those type of numbers. Uh, again, it's not a game changer, but it is going to change things a little bit for quarterbacks and centers and make life harder on them. Well, misery does love company, and the coach who made Tom Brady miserable, Bill Belichick, also agrees. That's what got me to stop and say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Belichick hates this rule. The Patriots, one of a handful of teams that voted against it. Only four or five were against it. It would take a nine to kill it. But uh, the rule passes, the numbers are changing, and we all got to get used to it. I like it. I, I think it was a long time coming. And if it was that big of a deal, strategically, Nick Saban would be utilizing it for, to the full capacity well, at Alabama. The game's really, more simple. Really doesn't. The game's more simple in college. So it just it doesn't, it doesn't matter quite as much at the college level. The NFL, the, the pass protections are way more intricate and have way more detailed rules and things like that to where sorting things out is a little bit more important as compared to college football where they just go, hey, all five guys, take a step to the right. And anybody to your right, you block. And then we'll put the back to the left edge of you. And that's so there's a, it's a little different world that way. But, I mean, Mike, I'm, I'm not going to argue it too hard. You're – you're right. At the end of the day, these guys are making millions of dollars. They're smart. They'll be okay. Next topic. Knowing what you know now, would you rather have Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert or Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow for the next five years? Justin Justin Herbert. Uh, that, that, I'm, I'm not even going to pause with that. It's the Verizon speed round, and I'm going speedy with that one. Because, one, yeah, we know Joe Burrow hurt his knee, so that, that, that puts him behind the eight ball in that conversation alone. And number two, as awesome as Joe Burrow looked before, you know, hurting his knee, Justin Herbert looked awesomer. So I don't know what else to say. He looked awesomer. I mean, he was amazing. So uh, I am going to go with Justin Herbert. And, and and let's remember, Joe Burrow started the season. And I know there was no offseason program. There was no preseason. But he was the number one guy from day one of training camp. Yeah. Herbert was stuck behind Tyrod Taylor. Up until the moment that Taylor had his unfortunate interaction with Dr. Needle, Dr. Needle. And Herbert got thrown into it. He got thrown into it. Yeah. And he never faltered, never missed a beat. Once there was enough film out there for people to see what he did, he, he kept going. He did. And uh, I, I agree with you. And uh, I, I think I think I, as much as I love Joe Burrow. Yeah, me too. And I'm rooting for him to right. get over this knee injury and get back to where he was. Justin Herbert. And by virtue of the fact that he stayed healthy, if nothing else, showed me a little bit more last year. And I know that that's unavoidable. But but when you if you're going to say next five years, I'm going to go with the safer bet and Justin yeah. Herbert. Yeah. All right, which Alabama receiver gets drafted first? We talked about this a little bit earlier. Is it going to be Devonte Smith or is it going to be Jalen Waddle? I, I, I'm going to go with Devonte Smith. I mean, I, it it does sound like it's close. There's no doubt about it. But I'm going to go with Devonte Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. You know, just. Everything he did last year, it's hard not to turn on the film and just look at it and go, whoa, special. I'll go Smith. What about you? Are you going to go Waddle? I'm going to go Waddle because yeah. I think the Dolphins would take Waddle over Smith and they're on the, unless they trade down, maybe they trade down and somebody takes Devontae Smith and then Waddle falls to them. That's a way that they could look at this and maybe pull it off. Points bet has the over-under for both being gone by 11.5 for both. And remember last year, people thought Jerry Judy was going to go before Henry Ruggs. It was a little bit of a surprise. Chris, when Ruggs went to the Raiders before Judy went to the Broncos. Yeah, no, I I, I know that was uh, that was a surprise. So I, I mean, again, the fact that it's the second year in a row we're talking about two Alabama receivers both going in the top twenty, and these two receivers really, I don't think it's even close as compared to the two last year. I like Judy and Ruggs. They there was a lot to like, but I don't think they're on the level of these two. These two to me are like can't miss prospects going to have great careers. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Which general manager has the most stressful three days ahead of him in the 2021 draft? Man, what are you I'm, – I'm, this one's like – this. I, got, I know mine. You want mine? Yeah, go ahead. You go first. 
Howie Rose? I was, I was going to say that too. Caught, I know. caught between the board and caught between the amateur Mel Kuyper who owns the team. Right. It's got to be Howie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, 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 Howie was. Who the hell is Jeffrey Lurie? Howie was definitely one of the first names (laughs) that went into my, went into my head. Just because, of course, yeah, the scrutiny around the Eagles, the front office right now, everything going on there. You know, after that, I'm going to go with the teams that have picks. I mean, you know, let's say the Jets. Yeah, the Jets. It's, it's big time. You just traded away Sam Darnold. You're taking, you're taking Zach Wilson. You got another pick in the first round. You got a lot of picks in this draft altogether. They got a chance to like make a splash and really turn their team and help to turn the corner here. So I'll go with Joe Douglas as the, uh, the guy of the next stressful three days. Something you said there reminded me of the low-stress draft that the Saints had in 1999 because they traded all of their draft <laughs> right. to get Ricky Williams and Mike Ditko went golfing on the second day of the draft. They had nothing to do. All their picks were gone. It's amazing. All right, last question, very importantly. Will you believe anything you hear that is attributed to an anonymous scout at any point this week? No, absolutely not. And what I really want to say, too, to a lot of this, like, anonymous scout stuff, I want to say is, like, so what? Like, the scouts don't know anything. Nobody's telling them what's going on in the organization. Yeah, they might know what players they like and, like, what team what like the players that are viewed as a high like high level you know prospects for their team but they don't know the the GMs the pro personnel guys the owners they're not telling the scouts either they don't know so you know no I'm not going to believe any of that I never believe any of it right. whether it's this week or any other week and you know I've had people push back to me privately well the boards are set, and the teams know what they're going to do, and nothing these guys say is really going to change anything. No. The target, I think, is ownership. I believe that owners are far more involved in the picks, especially round one, than anyone will ever admit to us. And I think if you can make the owner wobbly, if you can get the owner to start asking tough questions, and we know how much of a CYA exercise this whole thing is. Yeah. If the owner starts asking questions about a guy that you have here, uh, you know, and the and you can tell the owners the owners getting shaky. That that it it can't. And look, bottom line is, I know teams deliberately try to do it. They use the media to leak negative information for guys they like. So those guys will slide. I know for a fact that it happens. And when you know that it happens, what that means is no opinions anonymously provided by any scouts, coaches, or executives can ever be trusted because the people who are giving you those opinions have skin in the game. And we know that they do it. They try to do it. And they wouldn't waste their time trying to do it, Chris, if they didn't think it potentially would. No, definitely, definitely. And added to that, like I'll I'll piggyback off of something you said. First off, like not everybody board set right now. No, they're not. They're still tinkering with it right now. You know, all the close calls and things like that. We, we're hearing through reports, the 49ers, they're five days away. They've traded for the number three pick. They've just got done with draft deliberations. We have multiple people saying that. So that just tells you they're not set in stone anything right now. I think there's a number of teams where the important decision makers really just got done with all their homework as far as the draft's concerned in the last 10 days or so. So there is still tinkering with these boards. Not everybody knows exactly how this is going to play out. So I think there's still work to be done here. And no, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not believing anything from anybody's mouth right now. Quick break. Special draft coming up. Inspired by the 81st anniversary, or not? Well, I guess it is the 81st anniversary of the birth of Al Pacino. There was a way for me to fix that. We're going to do that draft next here on PFT Live. <laughs> Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, built right for business. All right, happy anniversary, Al Pacino turned 81 yesterday, and uh, in some awesome, awesome movies. My personal favorite, Son of a Woman, Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade. The only problem is every role that he played after that, he plays Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade. I would agree. Sight. Right. But, yeah, isn't that weird how it was just like this, see, I, I, look, my favorite actor, but after he won the Oscar for Son of a Woman, every character he plays after that is that same guy. 
A, a little bit. I'm not going to disagree. I mean, I, I, I'm not. But, man, I mean, talk about an amazing career, a legend. And, like, come on, so many movies where you're just like, oh, this is on? I got. Let me just see what scene it's on. I mean, that that's that's Al Pacino's in so many movies like that. So 81 years old. I saw him once. I sat next to close to him at a restaurant a few years ago in New York City. It was cool just to sit close to him. I mean, I didn't say hi or anything, but that was cool. Ha! <laughs> All right. Yeah, cool story. Julio Thanks. Jones is the second in Falcons history with 60 touchdown catches. Matt Ryan has thrown 59 of them. Who threw the other? Come on. Muhammad Sanu. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I was one of those that's just like Sanu right. <laughs> in his throat. Because you got a great brain, Pacino. <laughs> Here, here's, here's I didn't even say what the draft is. It's best football movie coaches. Chris, you're up. Come on, get your crap together, man. All right, go ahead. Jeez, ha! Ha! I'm going with Denzel Washington. All right, that's who I'm going with. Like you've seen, remember the Titans? First off, that's one of my favorite football movies of all time. I think it's up there. But you're talking about building the culture, overcoming adversity. Denzel Washington was like Mike Tomlin in that movie. It's perfect. Great motivator. Great communicator. Brings black and white together, and they kick some butt on the football field. Love the movie. It's awesome. I'm going with Denzel Washington. I can't remember his name in the movie off the top of my head, but uh, Herman Boone. Herman, Herman Boone. Boone. But that how can you even? How you shouldn't be allowed to pick him if you don't know the name of the character. I didn't look up any of their real names from the movies. I just know what they're. They, we're calling them in real life. I, what did you think I did homework for this damn draft? Come on, zero fun, <laughs> sir. That my, my wife and I went to see that movie when it came out, and our son was two years old. And at one point during one of the football scenes, she turned to me because you're in the theater and it's loud and yeah. It's, she said, Alex is never playing football. Oh, so, great. Uh, that ends that your career, Alex, years. right there. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, boy, a lot of different ways you can go. And and since it is in honor of Al Pacino, I'll take Tony D'Amato from any given Sunday. Although, I watched that with my son at some point after we watched Sen of a Woman, and we look at each other every time he does something that it, ha! That, that sounds like something he said in Sin of a Woman, but I'll still go with Pacino from any given Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I could see him being a coach. I mean, he could have been that kind of guy for sure. I mean, he's a great yeller, that's for sure. Scare the hell out of you. Uh, he's got that mean look in his eye too, so that's with you. I'm not a huge fan of any given Sunday, though, that football movie as a whole. I'm not one of my favorites. All right. Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone did it, and you're right. It doesn't hold up well. Some movies hold up well yeah. after 20 years. Some don't. That one didn't. Yeah, no, it, no not my favorite. All right, well, I'm going to go with uh, Ed O'Neill as my, my next pick. Ed O'Neill, you know, he is the coach in the Little Giants, which was, you know, a funny football movie, more kid-oriented. But, I mean, come on, Ed O'Neill – if I remember correctly, played college football. Believe he was a college running back, right? Uh, did all of that. I mean, so he's got a great feel for the game. Come on, he's got a little sense of humor. He knows how to sit on the couch and put his hands down his pants like Al Bundy. He's perfect. It's a great, great fit. He's a real football coach. <laughs> I, I saw that movie so long ago that I don't remember anything about it. I do remember, though, Fonzie, a.k.a. Henry Winkler, as Coach Klein in that water sucks. Classic, the water boy. And now you can have a linebacker wearing that single digit number. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, you can't do the single bar face mask like Sandler's character Bobby Boucher did in that movie, but Henry Winkler as Coach Klein in the water boy. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said, Mama said alligators are so ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. I love that. There's some great lines in that movie. Uh, that, that really is a good one. I thought about him too. As going with that, I did uh, just for fun. Henry Minkler was good, right? Then what? What happened? Oh, he pictured the coaches got like a little birdie, and that brought it back his creativity, right? And he started drawing up all these plays and everything like that. Look at Bobby Boucher. Um, those are those are some Mike Allstott plus shoulder pads too. Oh, awesome. they definitely are. Seriously, <laughs> they look ridiculous. Uh, really <laughs> awesome football movie though. That makes me laugh. All right, my last one. I'm going Goldie Hawn. That's right. I'm going Goldie Hawn. Wildcats. Wildcats. That is one of my favorite football movies. Goldie Hawn takes over for an inner city football team, and it's a great movie. It's got a bunch of superstars. Woody Harrelson, you know, Bubba Gump's in it, Wesley Snipes. I mean, there's a bunch of people. It's really good. 
And uh, I like it. I really do. She kind of brings them uh, to the championship game. They win. They rally behind her. It's kind of cool. Goldie Hawn's my coach, pick. Coach of a high school football team, 1986. I remember when that movie came Wild out. Wildcats. In the theaters then. Last one for me, and I could go a couple of different ways. I was thinking Burt Reynolds because Paul Crew went oh. in the original Longest Yard. He was kind of the de facto coach. Then yeah, right. he was the actual coach in the remake. Right. But but I gotta go. I gotta go. This is one we talked about not that long ago. I gotta go Craig T. Nelson, not as coach, but as TV series, but as Nickerson. I know. I thought about all the it right too. moves. Yeah. Blackballed Stefan Georgievich because right. Georgievich trashed his house, and he he told all those colleges he's a problem, he's a problem. And finally, I don't want to spoil it. But if you've had come on, years it's to been see forty it. years. If they haven't seen it now, the hell with you. <laughs> reverses the blackball and helps Georgievich uh, get to college. Actually, takes him with him when when Craig T. Nelson's character becomes a college uh, assistant coach. What? Why? Always had a putter. What? Always had a. It was either a putter or a nine iron. Why did he? That would be a dangerous thing for a coach to have. Yes. Uh, at, a, at a football practice. Why did he trash his house? I can't remember. It's been a while. Like, what was it? They were mad. They lost. So what did he take him out? I can't remember. They had lost a big game and uh, called a bad play at the end. Should have taken a knee, fumbled the ball. Danucci fumbled, I think. And, and, uh, and then Georgievich got got kicked off the team after the game so they all got drunk at the bar and they decided to go trash his house yeah Georgievich was there and they all took off and he didn't get in the car and he saw him oh, so I, I remember way too much about yeah apparently you right do moves. you've seen this too many times who's Ampipe. your least favorite movie f- football coach like the guy that can't pull it off uh uh, Dennis Leary in draft day, just because I hate everything about that movie. <laughs> I knew you were going to go back to that Leary. movie. I, I got nothing it. against Dennis Leary. You I just hate, hate that everything movie about and they that wasted movie. two days of your life. Everything huh? about it. They wasted two days of my life, and the movie is horrible. Sorry, <laughs> NFL. The movie's horrible. The plot's not believable. I could go on and on, but we got to take a break. More PFT Live right after. <laughs> your acting was horrible. We're expecting plenty of players to take advantage of this new rule change that allows single digits. And also, like for linebackers, you can wear 1 to 49 now. It's amazing. See, our guy uh, from last week, the the uh, Rashad Weaver from Pitt. Yeah, he wants to wear wants 17. 17, right. 17's available. He can wear 17. Patrick Peterson, the first guy Whoa. to cross that barrier, wearing number 7, his number at LSU. He made a donation to the high school where Nate Stanley, Vikings backup quarterback, who had number seven played. Number seven goes to Patrick Peterson, and he doesn't have to write a check to the NFL like Dalvin Cook would have to do to go from 33 to four. There's no inventory of jerseys with Patrick Peterson's former number of 21, so he can pick any number he wants. He gets number seven. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be all guys from new teams, and a lot of these rookies are going to gobble them up. That's going to make the veterans mad. Uh, so that's going to be kind of fun to watch. And, Mike, I got my mock draft on my podcast today. I just wanted to throw that out there. We, we, will, we will check it out. And PFTPM, Peter King is going to join me later today. Everybody have a great day. See you tomorrow. See ya. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.